And so hopefully pick up one of those t-shirts today. God bless you. Welcome to Church on the North Coast. If you're a first-time guest, I want to welcome you today. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson, senior pastor here at Church on the North Coast. So glad you're here. We're one church. We have four locations. I want everybody to know that. We're one church. Everybody say that. We're one church. We got four locations. We're one church, though. We're one church. Don't ever let that, you know, there's something, there's a blessing on unity. So we, we keep it, keep it right. We're one church. And uh, God's called us to this region and and we're praying to take as much territory as possible for Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want as many young people as I can uh, to come and sit in the front row. Yep, any empty seat you can find in the front row, please, young people, come sit in the front row. Because here's what normally, normally, um, uh, in my experience anyway, pastors, uh, as, they, as they progress through ministry, they, um, they, you know, they start in student ministry right? They start in student ministry, and then they kind of work their way up. Um, I have resigned from senior pastor role. I'm going to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. And you laugh, but I'm 100% serious. I am, I am, I I want you to know at Church on the North Coast, we're rebranding our our vision statement, and it's, and it's all about zero to 18. That's our focus from here on out. And we're just going to put all of our strength and our focus on students. And so uh, don't be mad at me when I don't preach sermons to you because I'm done preaching sermons to people uh, that are older than 18. From now on, I will be preaching to this grow right here. This is all of my attention, and I don't apologize for it. I heard something the other day, and it, it, it just... It shook me, and it was kind of like this. It was this pastor down where I was, and he said this, and oh, when he said it, it, it just shook me to, to, to my bones. He said uh, something like this. I, I, I don't want to misquote him, but it, it was something like this. It said, um, I like your tie. That's awesome. I mean, it got my attention. You know what I mean? That's nice. Uh, I'll do that occasionally, man. I'll just go rabbit track. I'll just... I'll just get lost for a second, you know, but I'll come back. If I get lost, hey, remember where I ended, you know what I mean? Oh, help me out. Uh, he said this, he said this, he said, uh, when your heritage is greater than your lineage, you're destined to fail. I, I don't know if you, if you can really get that. When you're so in love with what you used to be, and not in love with who you're becoming, you will fail. When you fall in love with the good old days and the way it was, and you get in the rut of being in your hair, if you take too much pride in who you, where you, who you, and not enough in who God's making you to be, you will inevitably fail. God, God speaks of your latter being greater than your former. So, so this is our future. This is our future. So I'm going to a youth conference next week. I'm serious. I'm going to a youth conference. I was going to send them. I'm like, no, nah, I'm the one that needs to go. Because I need to get out of my way. I want you to, here's what, I'm going to say this, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I need you to hear this. You got to get over yourself. 
I'm talking, I'm talking, you got it. You know, you know, the, it's like 70% of, of the kids who have grandparents in ministry, that 70% thrive. Kids who do not have grandparents, they're more likely to commit suicide. They're more likely to get, you know, confused in their identity. That tells me, like, generations are, are so necessary to the development of a healthy generation understanding who they are in Christ that we've got to get over ourselves. We have got to stop. Look at, listen to me. We've got to stop making this about us. This isn't about us. This is about a generation right there. And, and in, the, in the month of March, I'm going to start a series. It's going to be called Kill the Kids. Kill the Kids. The plan of Satan from Moses to Jesus. Kill the kids. And I, like, I want you to hear me when I tell you the enemy hates them. And the enemy has invaded the powers and principalities of darkness, have invaded the powers and principalities of this world, and they are coming for them. They've said it, they said it vocally. They've said it with their policy. They've said it with, it, it, listen, the, Hollywood has said it. The music industry has said it. The, all of this world, all of the demonic forces of this world are after them. And there must be a reason. There must be a reason he hates them so much that he would release this kind of hell after them in this hour of the day. And so with me, I'm going to ask you, Church on the North Coast, to partner with Church on the North Coast in getting out of our way. Getting, getting over ourselves. Stop being offended. Stop. Stop. Hey, look, if, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're on the front row, I want you to smile. I want you to be happy and full of the joy of the Lord. You, if you want to frown and you want to be a Sour Patch Kid, you got to go to the back row. If you want, you, if you go sit on, <laughs> Sour Patch Kids go to the back row. All happy people come to the front row. You know what I'm saying? Because we need an environment in this room that fosters faith, that fosters a generation that where our ceiling becomes their floor and they hit the ground running, the, the, the enemy hates them and we're here to preserve a generation in the gospel of Jesus Christ for them. We're here to make sure the gospel does not lose its power but gains its power as we move forward. So I'm asking you, Church on the North Coast, to partner, partner with us here to say, how can we pray? Here's, here's, here's how, how aggressive we're going to go at this. We're about to rebrand our vision statement here at the church and custom fit it for them. We're, and we're going to put it everywhere. We're going to put it on the floor, on the walls. We're going to put it, we're going to frame it and give it to you to take it home to put it in the hallway. Before they leave the house, they're going to say what God says about them. When they wake up in the morning, before they walk out the house, they're going to say, I have the identity of Jesus. I belong to the beloved. They're going to speak the vision of heaven over them before Caesar declares the decrees of Rome over them. We are done, we are done surrendering them to Rome and, and the indoctrination of Rome. And it is right now, it is time. It is time for the church to stand up and make her voice known and preserve a posterity for the Lord. Amen. You with me? Let's receive the offering today. As you, as you give, 
I, I'll be preaching that message in full in March, and so uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun ride. But as you give today, let's uh, give unto the Lord. Hold it up before the Lord today. As you give, we just want to bless you and bless it today. Father, thank you for every gift and every giver in this house. Come on, hold it up before the Lord real big. I declare in Jesus' name the blessing of heaven over every hand raised in this room, over every hand raised online today. Bless your people. I declare they sow it naturally, but they reap eternity. I declare heaven on earth in their homes, heaven for their children, heaven for their marriages. Bring restoration. Where this seed goes into the ground, manifest what only heaven can do for families today. We rebuke the enemy and the devourer. We rebuke the liar that, that Satan is over our families, and we declare the blessing of heaven over our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give that. Give that. Take your Bible, go with me. Uh, let's start in Luke 18. Let's start in Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 35. Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So, he told, so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Shut up, they said. Shut up. But he didn't listen. He didn't listen. He cried out more. There's a spirit of the age that wants to shut you up. There's a spirit of the age that wants you to fall in rank, wants you to be quiet, just do what everybody else does, and we'll be safe. Just go along with everything that's happening. I pray a spirit of disagreeability upon you today. I declare a spirit of dissent would come upon the church. You know, I, I'm so tired of the enemy, you know, convincing the church to be passively violent in her silence. To just be quiet, just, 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 just accept it the way it is. I pray the spirit of the blind man would come upon you and you would lift your voice even higher and that you would come against, you would meet the violence of this world with the violence of God's spirit and you would not allow it to, to, to exist and, and to maintain and to continue in your life. You know there's a reason? There's a reason why Paul spent a good majority of his time in prison. Because he didn't comply. He didn't agree. He didn't, he, didn't just, he didn't just listen to the powers and principalities of his day and say, okay, yeah, I'll just do what you say. No, he, he, he disagreed. He said, if it goes against what that Bible says, I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to teach it. I'm not going to comply with it. I will not remain silent. Envision. Vision. Vision will make you lift your voice. Because vision sees what sight can't. Vision sees. Vision. See, some of you are looking at me like, oh boy, he's being political. <laughs> the gates of hell shall not prevail. Against whom? The church. Who do you think is in control of the gates of hell? You, you know, this passive silence that, that lets you be comfortable, 
sitting in the milky middle. It's killing a generation. It, it's, trying to, it's trying to change their gender. It's trying to convince them that, that history isn't what history is, and it's trying to change the meaning of words. And this milky middle we're sitting in and we're allowing this passive silence we're comforting ourselves with. This, it's violent. It's this violence, you know. It's, oh, I don't get involved in politics. You, you darn well better. You better get involved. You know, because they're involved with you. They're lying to you. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't get involved in that. So you're cool with it then. So you're cool, with, you're cool with, with six million a day being aborted. You're cool with that? You kill with, you're cool with kids being murdered? You're cool with their, with their identity being played with? You're cool with that? And he comes, to, and Jesus, he hears his cry. He stops Jesus. He arrests Jesus. This blind man who could not see, but had vision to hear, because vision hears. He couldn't see, but he had vision. And vision heard. He heard what, all he needed to hear is Jesus is coming. When he heard that, he raised his voice again. He said, oh, my spirit, my spirit has hope now. My spirit knows who Jesus is. He cries out again, and Jesus stops and says, come here, come here. He stopped. You know, you know. Now you, you have the power to stop Jesus. Vision will stop Jesus. Whatever your circumstances, you have the power to stop him. He calls, he calls him over and he says, what can I do for you? What do you want? What do I want? I can't see. I can't see, Jesus. You asking me what I want? Are you serious? Don't settle for sight when he gave you something else. And he said, well, I guess I want to see. And Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Vision is to heaven what sight is to the world. Vision will manifest what sight cannot. You've got to get vision. I beg you, church. I beg you. I beg you to stop looking at things. I beg you to stop looking at it. Stop telling me. Stop saying what you see. Stop saying what you see. Well, I see this and I see that and well, I, because I see this and because I see that, I feel this way and I feel that way and I'm just going to go ahead and think this way and I'm going to think that way all because you're seeing things. And Jesus never gave us permission. Hear me. Hear me clear. Jesus never gave the church permission to live by sight. He said, you shall not live by sight, but you have, you are mandated to live by faith. You don't have permission to live by what you see. 
You don't even get an opinion on what you see, man. If you see it, it don't matter what you see. You're not, you're not allowed to see with your eyes. You must begin to see with your spirit. Because your eyes will lie to you. Your eyes will deceive you. Your eyes will depress you. Your eyes will discourage you. Your eyes you cannot see with your eyes. We must awaken vision. We must learn vision. Vision is a promise. Joel 2.28. Can you put it on the screen for me? I want you to see this. Vision is a promise. It's a promise to the church. Look at this. It shall come to pass that I'm going to pour out my spirit, God says, on all flesh. <laughs> Look at me. He's going to pour his spirit on everybody. Left side, right side, middle, yellow, blue, pink, white, black, tall, skinny, don't matter. He said, I'm pouring my spirit on all flesh. I'm going to reveal myself to everyone. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen to a generation. Here's what's going to happen when they have an experience with Jesus. When they have a revelation of Jesus, here's what's going to happen. They're going to start talking about what they see, not with their eyes. They're not going to say what they see with their eyes. They're going to say what they see with their spirit. They're going to begin to prophesy. Prophecy is the future according to God's vision. God sees it, then God gives it to you and says, look at what I see, what, what's coming. It doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. It's time to stop looking with our eyes and start looking with our spirit. And God says, I'm going to show your sons and your daughters. That's why I'm going to be a youth pastor, because these guys have vision. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to make your old men dream dreams and your young men see visions. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what an old man is that, that, that don't have a dream? A young man that laid his vision down and quit on it. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what a dream is. A dream is, you know, what you walked away, what you quit on, what you forgot, what you laid aside because it took too long to get to you. So a dream is a vision that you laid down and, and said, God, I, I don't believe it anymore. It took too long, so I gave up on it. But God said, in that day, in that day, I'm going to make you dream again. I'm going to give you back vision. He said, I'm going to make young men have visions. I'm going to give young men visions. So I'm like, hey, what are you seeing? I'm like, what do you look? What do you see? I don't care what, I don't care what anybody else sees. You tell me what you see. Because God said he's going to give you vision. So, the, so the, the forward progress of the church belongs to a generation. And then, and then Peter comes along and he says, yeah. This is exactly what Joel said. So vision's a promise. Answer me this. The language, the language then of, of heaven to earth is dreams and visions. Answer me. Have we taught them how to translate dreams and visions? Because that's the language of heaven. That's the language. That's, God said, this is how I'm going to talk to the earth. This is, what, this is the way I will speak to the earth. Prophecy, dreams, and visions. Have we taught them how to, how to interpret dreams and visions? This is the language that he'll use, he says. 
When he comes, he said, this is the language I'm going to use. When my daughter, when all my kids, they would, they'd have these dreams, precious, she'd have these dreams. There were lions and planes and clocks and, and there were all these dreams. And, and, and when she'd tell them to us, we'd, we'd help her translate them. We'd say, oh, this is what the clock means and this is what the lion is and this is what the, and I ask you, do, are you, are you teaching your children how to interpret dreams and visions? Because that's the language of God. In the last day. That's the language. Here's how I know. Here's how we know if, you, if we have vision. So I, I'm just going to. Here's how we know. Because vision. You, when you get vision. You're not sure. What reality is. You, you get vision. Peter said, I was, I was minding my own business, and I had a vision. Paul said, I was caught up in the third heaven. The prophets would all say, like, I don't know. Ezekiel would say, I, I'm not really sure what, what happened, but he picked me up, and he moved me from one place to another. So vision, vision is a distortion of reality. Vision is this place where you can get to in God where you lose yourself. You no longer, you no longer can discern real from the world. And this is where God has called us to live, in this holy place called the blend. We are not allowed to live in the blue. For you died with Christ and your life is now hidden in him. But you're, but you're still here so you're not all the way in heaven. So then where God commands us to live is in this place of the in-between, this blended space of the green where God's called us to live. Any other place than that, if you're, if you're attempting to live in any, the just shall live by, that takes you out of the blue. You're not allowed to live there. We have to, we have to get to the yellow. John 1.51, I, I want you to read this. John 1.51 says this. You got it? And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I want you to see this. Here's, here's what Jesus said. You're about to see heaven open. How do you see that? Not with your eyes. You see that with your spirit. And, and the, the access to vision, he says, the access to vision is my presence. The only way you get to heaven is my presence. Because the angels ascend and descend upon whom? Jesus. So the only way to get heaven to the earth is by 
the person of Jesus. And the only way for you to gain access to heaven is by the person of Jesus. So anytime the, the presence of Jesus is near, whenever we discern the presence of Jesus together, we should all be asking ourselves, which direction should, is heaven coming right now? Come on, which direction is heaven coming? Should it, like, like God wants to bring heaven to earth in those moments when he comes near, stop wasting his presence. He never reveals his presence for nothing. He's revealing his presence to bring heaven here. How many times have you been in his presence and neglected it? How many times? He warns us in the Bible. He, he warns us. He warns us not to, not to take lightly his presence. He's like, when the Lord is near, like, listen, obey. Do not resist him when he's near. You know how you, so if you, if you, if you have vision, you live in this place where you're not sure where you end and you begin. You live in this blended place. This, you know you're not allowed to live like the world anymore. And you know you got to get as close to heaven as possible, which pulls you away from so much. Or, or you resist it and you stay and you're disobedient. Because the Spirit of God will always pull you closer. So you lose yourself. You get, you, you get to this place like, like Paul got, and you say, I'm not sure where I live. I, I was in the third heaven. You're like a prophet now, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know where I was, but I know I wasn't down here in the blue. I know I wasn't. I know I don't live there. I don't know where the dry bones were, but I know that they, that they weren't in the earth. I know God took me somewhere else. You see, when you begin to live in the blend, when you begin to live in this place of faith, of vision, you, you begin to live in this weird realm where you don't see it. You don't see like everybody else. You see things different than everybody else. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus wants a bride that begins to see herself like Paul saw himself and the prophet saw himself. He said, what do you see? He said, I see, I see dry bones everywhere. And then the Spirit of the Lord said, can these dry bones live? And he said, not down there on earth they can't, but somewhere between heaven and earth, I believe that dry bones can live. I believe that dead can, the dead can be raised. I believe blind eyes can be opened. I believe deaf ears. I believe marriages can be restored. I believe diseases can be cured. Somewhere between heaven and earth, but not on the earth, for certain not on the earth. So God's calling us Come up, my bride. Come up. Get out of the blue. Get out of there. You're not allowed to live there anymore. You're not allowed to see like they see. Turn your televisions off because you're just practicing. You're practicing vision. That's what you will see what you practice seeing. Then we got a whole church that says, I gave my life to Jesus, but they're still looking with their eyes. They're still seeing it carnally. All they see is a political realm. And Jesus said, no, man, I'm so much greater than the left or the right, man. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. I'm the lily in the valley. You know you're changed. 
You know you've, you've switched when you just can't see it. You become weird. You are, you're weird. You start, you start getting vision. And people will like, they'll get mad at you. They will, they'll get mad at you, man. Your own family will, will like get real mad at you. Because you'll start living more in the yellow than you do in the blue, and they'll be like, who do you think you are? You think you're better than us who live down here? We, we live in reality, baby. And you're like, no, no, you're right. I don't live in reality. I live somewhere between the earth and heaven. I live in Jesus. I live in a pale green state. I live in a place. That's where God's calling us to. And it's a lonely place sometimes. I don't want to like tell you otherwise. It's lonely, man. It's, it's sometimes like really hard to live there. But the Spirit of the Lord won't allow you to live in the blue if you're really His. If you really, like if you really love Him and you're really, and you're really attracted to His presence, His presence will change you. That's how I know. You know how you, you, know how you, change, you, know, how you know if you have vision? Because you change. Vision transforms you. We'd be better in the church if we stopped, if we started associating repentance with healing. Because repentance is change. And anytime, you see the reason he was healed was because he repented. He changed. He changed form. And, and as long as we associate repentance with guilt and shame, if we could start associating repentance with healing and heaven and his presence, then we'd be a better, we'd be a stronger. God, make us better before you make us bigger. God, help us to see what you see. But it'll change you. Vision will change you, man. It will transform your life. And here's how I know if people are changed. Go to Matthew. Matthew uh, 22, 11 to 12. 22, 11 to 12. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. <laughs> and he said to him, friend, how did you come in here? How did you get in here? How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. And Jesus said, you got to go. There's such a caution here, church. Do not resist the presence of the Lord when he's drawing you. Whenever he reveals himself, you know what he was really saying? I met you three years ago. You still got on the same clothes, son. There's people been in the church for 30 years. And you're going to get there that day and you're going to say, hey man, I met you 40 years ago. 
your garment is still stained. How'd you get in here? How'd you get in here? You're not allowed in here. You don't get the privilege of my presence without transformation. The only way you get access to my presence is when I'm present, you repent and you transform yourself to look more and more like what I'm making you to look like. But if you resist it, the warning is stern. The warning is stern, like don't you for one moment think you can have access to the privilege of heaven without the change of his presence. So let me ask you, in 365 days, how much have you repented? How much have you been healed of? Let me hear it. I'll make it easier. How much have you been healed from? What damaging ideologies, mindsets, habits, what, what, what has been in your life that you've given to Christ when he was near and said, I don't want this anymore. I realize that this doesn't belong to me anymore. I'm taking this off now and I'm putting back on the robe that you gave me when I gave my life to you. So I want you to know you're not allowed to not change. Because vision will change you. An experience with Jesus will not leave you blue. It will make you, I, like, I'm like, man, I'm trying to get so far up that I, I have very little blue in me, right? Come on, church, let's get there. Let's get to a pale green, like this, this like watered out blue. Like I'm trying to get so, I know it's possible because Enoch did it. He said he walked with God. He was down here walking with God at three miles per hour, and he walked with him so much that God said, man, you walking real close to heaven. Come on up here with me, man. You, you, you are so close to the threshold of heaven and earth that you, you just don't belong down there no more. That's what we got to get. That's the place. That's the place of change. Vision Now, you're going to want to write this down, man. Vision. The one who carries the burden carries the vision. This is why there's such an attack on men. Because men are visionaries. And if he can feminize men, if the enemy can feminize men, he can steal the vision from them. He can take it right from them. Here's how, let me ask you, who, who, whose name's the house in? Whose name's on the deed? That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. The title deed owner is the one who controls the vision. The one who carries the burden must be responsible 
for the vision. It's how God orchestrated it. And so, so like, this is why, so we need women to be soft and men to be harder. Because right now, Proverbs says, Proverbs 29 says, my people perish for a lack of vision. The world is literally going to hell because men are allowing themselves to, men refuse to accept the burden of responsibility for the culture and the day they live in. And because of that, the world is unrestrained and visionless. They can't see past the forest before the trees. They can't see through the valley of the shadow. Of the, they can't see past the sickness. They can't see past the circumstance. Why? Because they have no vision. Why? Because they've neglected their responsibility of carrying the burden. You are the priest of your home, Father. You are the man of this hour. God has put his authority on you. That's why you don't get to be a beta male here. You must be alpha here. I'm serious. You cannot be beta. You cannot walk through these doors soft and weak. And No, no. You shoulder the responsibility. Why? Because we need vision. Your children need vision. This region needs vision. This nation needs vision. We need vision more than we need you to sit on a couch and play Xbox for eight hours a day. Vision. Vision will make you run. Vision will pick you up. Vision, vision won't motivate you. Vision will inspirit you. In spirit, not motivate. Motivate comes from the outside. In spirit, inspiration comes from the spirit. Vision, though, will make you run. Look at what Habakkuk says. Habakkuk 2.2. He said, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Make sure you have vision. You've got to get that vision in, in the people. And make it plain on tablets. Why? Because once they, once they get vision, they're going to start running. They're going to start running, man. Isaiah said, I, I can run, man. Jeremiah said, I can run. The reason you're unmotivated, the reason you're not going anywhere, you got no vision. You get up fast. You get up fast in the morning when you got vision. Vision needs maintenance too. I'll just tell you, vision needs maintenance. I was feeling stuck about a week ago. I got down, I got down there, I got to a youth conference. Oh, I came out of there with vision. Picked myself up and said, man, I'm ready to get home. I said, who's preaching Wednesday? I'm ready to preach Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm ready to cast vision. I'm ready to go. He said, well, you, you put things uh, vision, vision will move you. Vision won't let you stand still. And, and the church, it, it, right now, you got to pick up the pace. You, it, you ever wonder why? You, you ever wonder why? <laughs> YouTube, YouTube church, you know what I mean? When, when, uh, when spirit breaks out real good, you know what I mean? They used to do this a lot, you know, back in the day, y'all know. You know. But man, when the spirit would break out real good, People start running, man. <laughs> and today, we, today is spirit breakout. I'll be both. Look at this dude running. Look at him. Look at him. Where's he going? He's running. He's running. 
There's sometimes, man, I'm on the front row. I'm down there. He's just doing something. It's cool. Just look over here. We got, we got, all, we got people over there. Look, look. The spirit will break out so good. And I'll, I'll just be like, Ooh. you ever get like that? I'll start jumping up and down like, oh, oh, I'm ready to go. Because vision will move you. And some of us, you know, like you, you, you got to get busy. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this, like, this week, this week, like, take it easy, rest, you know, take a break. No, bro, you only got, like, you only got, like, 90 days, 90 years. Get busy. Start running. Imagine what you could do. This is why retirement is a joke to Jesus. Like, what? I'll train, I'll change your assignment, but you don't just, just get to quit. <laughs> you don't get to, you look, in the, you look in the Old Testament, when Aaron's kids, he said, look, there's going to come a day at, at around 50 where they, they get to come and they get to change, but they don't get to quit. You know, you think about it, you don't figure anything out until you're about 30. For me, it was like 40. I'm a slow learner, right? So you have any kids in that, in that, in that time? Those kids are crash dummies. My oldest son... I have to repent to him on the regular. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's Tuesday on the third week of the month. I got to repent. Like, I'm sorry. Sorry I didn't know what I was doing. You know what I mean? So you really don't know nothing until you get to be about 30. Then you start picking. Then you start running a little bit. Not today. We got a generation today that's been taught to stay at home. Chill, relax, take it easy. Let Caesar, let Caesar pay for everything. Don't, don't work, don't labor, don't, don't move in the spirit. Don't hustle for what God has for you. Just take a break, man. Rest easy. No, the Bible warns against that. It's time to start running, church. It's time to get aggressive. It's time to start studying more. It's time to pick up the pace and start running. And don't quit. Look, 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 look. If you're here and you got gray, silver hair, don't quit at 60. You got another 30 to go. Let's go. Keep running. Keep running. Don't let go. Don't let your foot off the gas. Keep pushing them, man. Keep pushing them. Keep teaching them. Like, don't let them get lazy on us. You keep moving. I read my Bible. You read your Bible. Let's go. I'm up at 6 in the morning praying. You should be up at 6. Let the, let's teach a generation to hustle. Like, going to heaven's free. But getting heaven here costs you the anointing. And this idea, like, just, you know, just sit back, chill. You know, it'll be all right. No, that's a lie. It's not. You got to hustle. And you only got so much time. We got to pick it up. We got, we got work to do. We got souls to save. We got hospitals to empty. We got, you know, we got stuff that we got to do. So vision will make you run. At least that's what Habakkuk said. Vision will change you. Vision, vision will sustain you. And vision will talk back to you. Vision will talk back to you. Here's what, here's what it says in Habakkuk 2, 3. It says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Look at what vision will do. But at the end, it'll speak. Vision talks. Vision will talk to you. Vision will tell you what's yours. Vision, vision will break through the silence and the compliance of this world and the normalcy of this world, and it will raise its voice and say, no. My wife lay dead on a, 
on a hospital gurney there, 15 seconds, longest 15 seconds of my life. And you know what happened? Vision started talking. Vision said no. Vision said, vision said speak, declare. I, ca- I called out her name. I said, Becca, wake up. Jesus, nothing. Becca, wake up. Jesus. Becca, wake up. Jesus. She woke up on the third time at Jesus. She said, why are you yelling? But if you don't get a vision of what belongs to you, you'll surrender prematurely. You'll, you'll surrender. You'll let it go. You know, why, you know why a lot of people die prematurely? Because they don't have any vision. They give up prematurely. Don't you dare let go. Don't you dare let go. We won't let you let go. Until, until Jesus returns, we're not letting you let go. Now, this is the standard. Jesus raised the dead. He healed the sick. We're not letting you let go. And we're not going to normalize Because vision will talk to you. And vision will talk to you when the enemy lies the biggest. When you feel the most discouraged, vision will talk to you the most. When your promise is most threatened, vision will talk the loudest if you will listen. I've learned I don't need to know everything. I just need to listen for the Spirit to speak. Because it will talk to you. People say, did you... You asked me the other day, did you figure that out yet? Did you make a decision yet? I'm waiting for vision to speak. Sometimes you're just going to have to move cautiously. You never stop moving. You got to keep moving now. You got to keep moving. But sometimes you move cautious. There are seasons of caution in my life where, where I don't stop. But man, I'm like a sloth. I'm like... I don't know, Lord. Is it, is it there? Is it there? Is it there? Okay, 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 okay. Because vision will talk to you. Vision will talk to you, and you've got to listen for vision. You've got you to translate from the Spirit. You've got to learn vision. Vision will get you through anything. Vision, vision will sustain you through the hardest moments of your life. You've got to get a vision you got to get a vision out of the blue. you got to get a vision for your family. you got to get a vision for this region. you got to get a vision. I close with this. you got to get a heavenly vision. Paul said, I was on the road to Damascus. He's recounting his, his, his road to Damascus experience with Agrippa. And he said, Agrippa, I received a heavenly vision. In Acts 9, it tells the story of, of what happened to Paul when he got a vision of Jesus. He said, when the vision came, knocked him down. You'll know when you get a vision. It will knock you off of what, you, what you're currently holding on to as secure. It will knock you down. And some of us need to be knocked down. Some of us need it, like we just need it. If we're honest, like God knocked me off of this because I don't have the courage to step off of it. God, take me out of this, of this, of the way I'm in because I don't really have the courage to, to, to leave it myself. I can't make the decision. It's too painful. I can't. God, so, so God, please knock me down. And he knocks him down. He gets a vision of Jesus so compelling, knocks him down. 
And then something happens. He goes blind. The opposite happens in this story. The other story, he was blind and he got vision. In this story, he could see and he got vision and he went blind. When you get vision, you'll lose your longing of this world permanently. You'll go blind. You just, you just won't care. You'll just look at it and you'll go, it's okay. I can go through it. Yeah, but they did this and they said that, but it's okay. We're going. Why? Because I got a heavenly vision. I got a heavenly vision. And you can talk to him and you say, I got a vision, man. And that vision was so compelling to Paul. Look at what it did. It didn't matter if he went to prison. He still kept the vision. It didn't matter if he was about to die on a shipwreck, bitten by a snake. He still kept the vision. And I pray God would give you a vision for your family, for your marriage, for this church, for this region, for this nation, for your ministry, for your job. That God would give you a heavenly vision that would allow you to withstand any hardship. If sickness comes to your doorstep, you say, it doesn't matter. I've got a heavenly vision. It doesn't matter what you throw at me, Satan. Because I've got a vision. I've met Jesus. And he, and he knocked me down. He knocked me off of what I trusted. I was so confident in my intelligence and my reason. He knocked me off of it and he said, you will, be, you will be a fool to this world, but you will be wise in me. You can withstand anything. You learn to teach your spirit. Close your eyes. Stop looking with your eyes. It lies to you. Your spirit tells you the truth. Jesus, Jesus is how we do it. It's Jesus. It's how we do it. It's how, it's how we see it. It's, it's, how, it's how we look past the, the, the offense. And the, it's, it's how we look past the, the, the pain. It's how we look past the shame. It's how we look past, because Jesus, why? Because he redeemed me. He's restored me. He's made all things new to me. He's brought heaven into my life, and it's blinded me to anything else in this world. Come on, stand to your feet with me as we close. Right now, just put your hand over your eyes. Just put your hands over your eyes right now. Just put your hands over your eyes right now. Jesus, knock us down. Knock us down, Jesus. Take away anything that we trust more than you. Remove anything in our lives that we're leaning on other than you. Cause our eyes to be blinded to the allurements of this world. Blind us, God. Help us to see in our spirit. Help us to see by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things you cannot see. Help us to see the eternal in the temporary. Help us to see past this momentary light affliction. Help us to see our children delivered and restored 
Help us to see the sick made well. Help us to see sin crucified in our life. Help us to live, God. Help us to live in private as we do when we're in your presence. We love you, Jesus. Give us vision. Give us vision. Give us the identity of the Father. Give us the identity of Jesus. Give us the identity of the Holy Spirit. Give us our identity. Help us not to see ourselves the way the world paints us, the way the world wants to project us. Help us not to see ourselves according to our failure or our shame. Help us to see ourselves according to the finished work of the cruel cross that you suffered. Help us to see ourselves resurrected, walking in the newness of life, found in Christ Jesus. You're here today. You've never called upon the name of the Lord. I give you this opportunity right now. He's near. Receive him. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're in this room. You would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent. Heal me. Heal me. Heal me. Make me new. Brand new. I want to start over with you. Take my life now. Use it all for your glory. None of mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hey, look, if you're, if you're new with us today, we welcome you. Thank you for being here. Make sure, uh, family of God, whenever we have guests that come in, that we connect with them. Don't let them walk out that door without connecting with them. Find somebody you don't know before you leave today. Introduce yourself and welcome them to the family. God bless you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. God bless you.